You're listening to audio from Memphis Christian Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit memphiscc.info. Well, it's great to see all of you out today, and it's good to see so many new faces every week. I hope that as we go along this morning, you'll do what David asked and fill out that Get Connected card so that we can help you take your next step, whether that's finding a church home here or beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ, we'd love We'd love to do that. Also on the back of that card, if if you guys would take that out, some of our teaching series, the best ones that we've had have been born out of the questions that the church has, you and I have, about God's word. And next month, or excuse me, in December, we begin a series on the second coming of Christ, Christ's return. It's something that we've gotten out of the habit of talking about and anticipating, at least when we're together as a group. And so if you've got questions about that, and I think there are a lot of questions floating around out there in the world today about what that means, I want you to jot those down. And and I won't call you out by name, but I can assure you that we will address your questions in this series coming up in December and in January. So please, throughout the service, just jot those down, whatever they might be. One of the questions last night was, Um, if my family uh, goes before me, dies before me, uh, will they be in heaven uh, before I get there or will we all be called up together, right? Uh, Because there's some confusion about that. When Christ comes and it says the dead in Christ will rise, what does that mean? But yet scripture says to be absent of the bodies, to be at home with the Lord. And so we know that the moment we leave this earth in spirit, Our spirits with God in heaven, we're before him. We know what's going on. We know what's happened, right? And so those who come later will join us there. So whatever your question is, I want you to jot it down so that we can address that. Well, let's bow our heads before we dive into the word today. Uh, Father, we love you, and we acknowledge your lordship over all that you've created. And that includes us. We're grateful that you came for us, that you have reclaimed us as your own, you've redeemed us, and you've restored us to relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And we want to better prepare ourselves for your return. And so, Lord, as these questions come to our mind today, may you open our minds to the scriptures that have given to us to inform us on these things as we prepare for this next series. But today, today as we continue to to make ourselves fully known. And as you make yourself fully known to us, we're most grateful that you have the ability to set us free from the things that hold us back. And so, Father, as we open our hearts to your word today, Lord, free us and help us to take that next step with great courage. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Well, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Acts. In the New Testament, following the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find the book of Acts. It's recorded for us by Luke, a physician, and Luke goes and he interviews the eyewitness testimony of Jesus while he's here, and here we see what's going on in the early church in Acts chapter 16. Now, any of you long-distance runners out here, maybe you were long-distance runners in the past, anybody out there? Good, you're like me. Oh, there's a few back there. There's a few back there. Last night, uh, the one guy in the crowd shouted out, he said, do buffets count? And I said, you bet they do, right? 
Yeah, it's, it's not always a long distance, but he says sometimes it is, right? So you gotta, gotta get up and go. My wife, Sarah, is a long distance runner. Her goal this year has been to run a mini marathon every month of the year. And so last weekend, she ran her 10th mini. Now, now I know it's no big deal really, right? But she ran, yeah, I, it is, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. And so last weekend, her sister, her sister came over to run with her and her sister's training for the full marathon that's in Indianapolis uh, a week from this coming Saturday. And so they set out for a 20 mile run that morning and, and Sarah said, I'm, I'm gonna do my mini, but I'm also gonna run as far as, as far as I can. And so after four hours, she and her sister returned to the house after running the hills of Leode out there. It's no easy trek. They came back and Sarah said, we ran 21 miles today. And she said, that's the farthest I've ever run. And, and here's, here's the point of this. Yes, she is a, an amazing woman and an amazing runner. In fact, she decided to run the marathon with her sister in two weeks, and then we're going out west to, uh, she's going to run, not, make no mistake, I'm not. <laughs> But she is going to run uh, through the mountains of Arizona on a two-day run. But anyway, anyway, she came back, she and her sister, and, and it's amazing to me how she recovers so quick from her run. She, she gets her breath right back there. And she said, David, she said, that's the first time I've run 21 miles in my entire life of running. She's been running since she was 13. She said, that's the longest distance I've gone, but yet it was the best run that I've ever had. She said, I feel so free. And we talked about that the rest of the day. And we landed on this reality, we, we verbalized it, that that's what we want for our girls. That's what we want for our girls, Olivia and Emma. We want them to be able to run the race of this life, physically, right, relationally, emotionally, Spiritually, we want them to be free. We want them to be free. And so here's the question. When was the last time that you felt completely free? When was the last time that you were able to live uninhibited, to live certain, to live in stride in your relationship with others, to live at peace, no chains at all. And you say, chains? Yes. Yes, there are spiritual, emotional chains that hold us back every day from living free. In fact, today there are three types of chains that are present in all of our lives. Whether you've uncovered all of these yet or not in your life, you need to know that they exist in all of our lives that have the propensity to hold us back. Now, the first category that these chains fall into is our nature, our nature, our own sinful nature, our desires, our impulses, that if not surrendered, become changed. Now, now, do you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about desires and impulses? So sometimes we have these desires and we think, oh, God made us this way, and so I need to fulfill these desires. Sometimes desires come out of choices that we've already made, right? Just one drink. Everybody else is able to drink. I think I can drink, but I can't drink, right? You, you, you make these 
these choices out of your nature. Jesus said that we give, when we give in to that nature, we become the slave of sin. We become chained down. And many today are chained to pornography. Many are chained to addictions, inappropriate relationships, right? Female-female relationships, male-male sexual relationships. You've become chained to these things. Fear, insecurity. How many are chained by depression and anxiety? The second type of chain I alluded to is that of choices. Choices. Every hour of every day, you and I make choices. Even when we do nothing, we have what? We've chosen to do nothing. Choices. There are financial choices, relational choices, personal choices that create chains. Like we choose to stay home when we wake up feeling blue when we feel like we don't want to be around anyone else, but yet it's a time to come and gather and worship. And and when we choose to stay home, we're choosing to chain ourselves even more to those feelings of worthlessness or depression or, or I just can't go on. We choose to share too many words unfiltered. Uh, How many of you guys, I, I had three guys this week tell me that they dropped the F-bomb to their wife right to her face. Yeah, you say, wow, but you've done it. Some of you have. I'm grateful I haven't, but some of you have. And you're chained by that now. How do you step back on that one? We choose the wrong people to let sit at our table. We find ourselves chained by the choices that we make. Third type of chain are those that come from our nurture, our nurture, the way we were raised, hurtful examples, an absent or abusive parent, lies, lies about races or lies about creation, even traditions. Even traditions that seem harmless can create chains that are hard to break. Now, the point of the message today isn't to dwell on the types of chains that we all have in our life. The point of the message today is to understand that as Christ's followers, as we walk with Jesus Christ, these chains are going to become revealed in our life, and it's up to us as to what we're going to do with those things. Our time with God will reveal these chains, right? And it's up to us to acknowledge God's presence and to acknowledge that he has the power to free us. God is the ultimate chain breaker. Jesus said of his time here, he said, I was sent to proclaim release to the captives, to you and to me from those those sins of choices, from those chains of improper nurturing, from our sinful nature. I've come to proclaim release to the captives of those chains, to set free those who are oppressed by these things. The apostle Paul confirmed Jesus' power in his life to be set free when he said, what a wretched man I am. 
who will rescue me from this body of death. Thanks be to God, it's Jesus Christ who will. And it's Jesus Christ who can. For every lie the chains in your life whisper to you, God the Father says, I love you. I chose you. I came for you. You can make it with me. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Let's go. Let's live uninhibited by these things. Well, in Acts chapter 16, verse 16, a follower of Jesus, the apostle Paul, he's paired up with another guy, another follower of Jesus named Silas. They're on a mission. They're on a journey. What? To do the same thing that we do, to tell others about Jesus Christ. And in chapter 16, verse 16, it says that they're on their way to where the early church met. They were on their way to the place of prayer, it says, when a slave girl began following them. The first, the first thought that comes to mind when you read slave girl is what? In chains, right? Not free, but chained to something, someone. The slave girl began following them. She was like the announcer at a wrestling match. And now we have Paul and Silas. She, she was following him around. It's the weirdest thing. I, I wish I could have seen it. These men are servants of the Most High God, she shouted, who are telling you the way to be saved. And I mean, that, I, that doesn't sound like a bad announcement, right? It's like David, Brandon getting up at the start of service saying, here's where we're going today, right? It's an exciting time. Jesus is the way. Let's, let's join in. But they knew that something was off about her. They knew that they could see that there were chains. Have you ever seen people like that? They, they may have good things that come out of their mouth, but, but you follow them long enough and, and you realize that things really aren't that good underneath. And that's the way it was for this woman. This, this went on for days and Paul could see that she was in chains herself. She was enslaved by an evil spirit. And so verse 18 says that Paul turned to her and said, in the name of Jesus Christ, he speaks to the, the demon inside of her. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at once the spirit left her. Now, now here's the problem. Not only has she been enslaved by this demon, this evil spirit, but what? Someone had seen the value in what she was able to do or what this demon was doing inside of her. How many of you, when you were young and foolish, went to have your palm read or to have tarot cards read? That's what this woman did. This evil spirit was inside of her and it allowed her some way to be able to tell people's future. And we know how interested the world is, how interested we are in what's coming ahead tomorrow, right? And so this man saw that it was a moneymaker this woman was. And so he had, he had put her to work. He had enslaved her to make this money. Well, now that she had been set free, now that this evil spirit had been cast out of her, which, by the way, you do understand that, don't you? As a Christ follower, you don't dabble one second in that stuff. It is evil to the core. God is not in that. What is there will enslave you like you've never been enslaved before. So anyway, 
This woman set free, and the owners realize, this owners realize that their profit, their profit's going down the tube. Verse 19, when the owners of this girl realized what had happened and that her salvation would affect her ability to make them money, they seized Paul and Silas. They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. The owners created such an uproar, it says there in verse 20, that the crowd joined in and the magistrates had to get order to the community. And so they took Paul and Silas, they took them in and they whipped them, they flogged them, they stripped them down, they took them into prison and not just the outer cell with a good view, they took them to the innermost cell of the prison and they chained their feet to stocks and they assigned a guard to watch over them, to keep watch 24 hours a day. Now some of you are thinking, I don't plan on spending any time in chains like that. And some of you are thinking, I've been there before. And it's true. It's true, never have I felt so powerless. Never have I felt so, so suffocated. I had to deliver a man one day to local jail to serve out his time. And on the trip there, I could feel the tension. And as we went in and we sat in the lobby, it grew more and I, and I prayed with him. But the moment that he stepped through that first door and I heard the clink. I could see his whole countenance just drain from him. Yet there's another prison that is worse than the one that Paul and my friend, maybe you have been in. And that is the prison of our mind, the prison of our choices, the prison of our life situation. David's been in that prison, Psalm 55. He said, my thoughts trouble me. Some of you have been there. I have been there. Where just the very thoughts that depression or, or anxiety or, or thoughts of the past, the hopelessness uh, overwhelms you. It, it consumes you. My thoughts trouble me. I'm distraught at the voice of the enemy. And let me tell you, that enemy is right there when you're most vulnerable, knocking at the door, saying you are worthless. Where's God? Look at this place that you're in. At the stairs of the wicked, for they bring down suffering upon me and revile me in their anger. My heart's in anguish within me. I'm brokenhearted. Death and the thoughts of death assail me. Fear and trembling are, are all over me. Horror overwhelms me. I'm often humbled. I'm often humbled by the life situations that people find themselves in. Single parents working a full-time job while also providing the sole care of an aging parent with mental illness. I don't know how you do it. People who have dug such a hole financially or, or legally. I have a friend who hadn't had a driver's license for, for six years because he doesn't want to deal with the penalty that he still owes. And to have that chain, that cloud over him every day that all it takes is, is getting pulled over. 
and he's gone to jail. People, people are things that have, that have happened outside of their control and, and have them so strapped that no matter what they do, they can't seem to get ahead. Relationship debt between parents and a child or a husband and a wife that seems unpayable. Uh, I want you to finish your sentence, the sentence on your outline this way. Uh, what are the chains that come to mind when you look at your life right now? As we look at Paul and Silas's situation there, what, what are you chained to? What emotional, physical, spiritual chains have come into your life? Can you see the connection between your situation and that of Paul and Silas? Don't the chains of your life and mine not leave us beaten down, feeling alone, vulnerable, naked? Now look at verse 25. Paul and Silas are in chains. They're in the center of this prison, and it's about midnight. Now, now how many of you are like me? When you're sick or when you feel chained to something, you know, you're, you're worried about something, doesn't it seem to, like, compound at night, right? Everything's worse after the sun goes down. It's the weirdest phenomenon, but, it, but it's true. Everything gets worse at night. Verse 25 says it was about midnight and Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Praying and singing hymns? Even though they found themselves, listen, in physical chains, I propose to you that they were already free. They were already free. Yes, they were physically chained. Yes, things were tough for them. The beating was real. The blood, the pull of those wounds every time they healed a little bit and they moved, that was real. But yet they were free already spiritually and emotionally because they'd been set free from the spiritual and emotional chains that have the real grip on us. The real grip. Chains like uncertainty and hopelessness and loneliness. And from this we learn. We learn this about living set free. And that is worship is the full surrender of our life, our situations and our choices and our future to Jesus Christ. Worship. Worship is the full surrender. That's what we see here. We see the full surrender of Paul and Silas's life to Jesus Christ. They were praising and worshiping God. Why? Because they'd already been freed from eternal death. They had already been free from the bonds of sin that really hold us back, that really make us suffer. They knew what was ahead of them would end in triumph. They knew that no matter what happened to them, that he would be with them every step of the way. They knew that there's power in proclaiming the name of Jesus in prayer, in song, and in worship. And you say, oh, so, so if I just say, Jesus, Everything's going to be better. No. No, but when you pray, Father, Father, I recognize you as Savior and Lord of my life. 
Lord, I believe what you said, that the moment that I surrendered my life to you, the old self is gone. The sin that separated me from you is dead. I'm now alive in you. They recognize this. They recognize this. Father, I recognize my freedom in you now. But Lord, these chains that I'm in, they're real. This depression that I feel in my mind and in my heart, it's real. It's real. This, this addiction that I keep getting drawn back to, it, it's, it's real. But God, if you could set me free from this sin, then I know you have the power. I trust that you will set me free from this chain. Songs. Songs like Tis So Sweet, right? One of my favorite. Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Do you ever listen to the words of some of the songs that we sing and actually hold them in your heart? You know, when I sing Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, right? What the Lord says is true. When you rest upon his promises, when you trust him, what happens? The next verse, how I've proved him or and or. And, and so we go back to those songs and, and worship, reliving, recounting those moments that we've had with God. Paul and Silas were worshiping God, and as they prayed, uh, praised him, verse 26 says, there was an earthquake that shook the foundation of the prisons, and at once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. Now here's the second reality of living set free. This is what I want my girls to understand. When I worship and praise God, things are shaken up in and around me and the chains fall off. Anybody ever come to this place? Anybody ever come to this place and, and the songs begin or the prayer of that first person that utters this prayer to God and the tears start to come down your face? There, there's something in your heart that for the first time you're able to take a deep breath and you feel like everything's gonna be okay when I worship and praise God, these things happen in me. They ha happen around me, and that's when the chains begin to, to feel loose, when breakthrough and deliverance and transformation, this all happens when we praise him. It's a promise, it's a guarantee. Jesus said in John 40, 24, that God is what? That God is spirit. 2 Corinthians three seventeen says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And so when we praise God, when we praise God, when we acknowledge God, when we invite his presence to be with us, and in his presence, we find freedom. In his presence, scripture says, we're being transformed from glory to glory. What's that? mean? Well, it can mean several things, but I suggest to you this most elementary thing right now, and that is that as we bring glory to him, as we bring glory to him, we recognize his greatness over every situation. And so as we move from this situation where we give him glory to the next hard situation where we give him glory, we're moving from glory to glory. We are being transformed 
right? As we move from the glory of this earthly body to our, our heavenly body, these are the things that are going on in our lives. Centuries before this, God told the Israelites to march around Jericho, what? One time a day for six days. I want you to march around it. I want you to carry rifles. I want you to carry bats. No. I want you to just go and I want you to march silently. Six days. One time each day. On the seventh day, though, I want you to go and I want you to march around this city with walls that were fortified like no others. We can't build things today like they did back then. But I want you to march around these walls that are impenetrable. And I want you to march around them seven times, but I want you to shout my name. I want you to give glory to me. And you know what happened? You know that the walls cracked. You know that the doors opened. No, the walls shattered. They fell to the ground. They're, they're dust. They're nothing but, but rubble. And we can look at the walls that have been built around us to keep us from, from moving forward with God's plan, his plan for our relationships, his plan for our families. And they may seem impenetrable and impossible, but when we listen to God, when we glorify God, when we align ourselves with what he says to do, and in that we give him praise because we trust him, the power he has to shake physical walls is nothing compared to the power that he has to release us emotionally and spiritually from the chains that want to bind us, from the walls that seem to be closing in on us. And you know what else? is that while God is tearing down those walls and breaking those chains in our lives, it says that he's doing it in the lives of those that are watching, that are nearby. Verse 26 says that not only were Paul and Silas set free, but so were all the other prisoners around them. All the doors flew open. Friends, you want to see the lives of your children transformed you want to see your daughters develop a healthy self-image instead of looking at the popular girl in the group. You want to see your sons show respect. You want to feel a part of something bigger than you. You want to put anxiety and depression behind you. Then you start honoring God. You start giving him praise. You start bringing glory to him. You start lining your life up with him. You go all in and you quit sitting on the sidelines. You stop complaining about the chains and you begin to lay those at his feet. You start thinking about what God wants to do in the seasons of your life and you'll feel the ground shake around you. You'll feel life change happening. The trouble is, is we'd rather sit and maul in it and whine, and complain. And one last thing I want us to look at before we finish our time, and that is living set free means, it means that we stay close. There's that choice again. We stay close to the one who set us free. When you've been set free, like Scott, Nancy just celebrated 24 years of freedom, right? When you've set, been set free and you're, you're try, how many days, Larry? 180, 184 days, right? 
When you've been set free and you're trying to rebuild your life, there's always an opportunity to go back. There's always an opportunity to go back. In those first few days, those first few weeks, those first few months, that is knocking at your door everywhere you turn, right? There's always that person to offer you whatever. There's always that pull to go back. But you stay close. Sometimes, sometimes the struggle is this real. It was such an eye-opening experience for me. About 10 years ago, I baptized a man. This man had been a pharmacist. I've, I've played his story on video here. It's on VHS, so I'm not bringing it back today, right? It's been that long ago. But this man came, and he wanted to be baptized. We had been talking for a few months. Used to be a pharmacist. He started dropping pills in the cuff of his pants. He had terrible back pain in his life. Had a messed up back. No surgery would heal it. So he began to self-medicate. We all self-medicate. We all give ourselves a pass. We, we all just kind of lay in it sometimes. He started to self-medicate until he began losing. He lost his job. He lost his wife. He lost his children, right? So he came, and he, he came sober, and he said, I want to be baptized. And he was baptized, and he received the Holy Spirit. And after several weeks, he was missing. He lived just down the road. Every day, I'd go over to his house and knock on the door. Every day, I'd go peek in the windows to be sure that he hadn't died alone in his house. Finally, one day, I was over there doing just that when a taxi cab pulled into the driveway, and out comes this man. And I said, where in the world have you been? And he said, I, I've been in jail in Louisville. He said, I, I blacked out. You know what a blackout is, where you drink so much that, that you just black out. Well, why didn't you call me? I, I didn't remember your number. I, I lost my phone. I have no idea where my car is at. All I remember is I woke up in jail, no wallet, no phone, nobody, nobody. And I looked at him, and I'm like, and I, and I just said it. I said, why? Why? And he said the most profound thing to me, and, and, and we all know what he's talking about. He said, I didn't know how to live sober. I didn't know how to have friends like you. I didn't know how to go about my daily life. I didn't know how to deal with these feelings and these emotions that have, that have come back to me that for years I was able to to drown out. And listen, the same thing happens with us when we've been used to living chained and those chains are broken. We have to stay close to the one who set us free. And Romans 6.11 gives us somewhat of a prescription for this. It says, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. That part, that part has to be dead don't be going back and resurrecting it every day. Don't be teasing it. Don't be going to the same places you went before. Count yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Don't let sin reign in your body so that you obey its evil desires, right? The minute that you let it in, what happens? You become obeying it. It begins to take over in your life. 
Don't offer the parts of your body to sin. Don't even reach out for the cup. Don't go to Facebook and hear the crap that people say, the untruths that are there. How many of you know that there's a roundabout coming to Henryville, Indiana, and that Amazon, and that Amazon's gonna build in our backyard? It was on the internet, and do you know, do you know how many people started calling their neighborhood association to protest that? Do you know how many people called the state of Indiana to say we don't want a roundabout in Henryville, Indiana? It's ridiculous, it was a spoof, just like the sinkhole in Henryville, and one of our elders is behind it. But what he proved to us is what I've been telling you for years. Don't let a finger go there. Don't let an eye go there. Don't take one step towards it again, but rather offer yourselves to God. Don't let the chains back in. Don't give in to the fear of change and transformation. Don't offer any part of yourself to it, not your body, not your mind, and certainly not your soul. Instead, surrender it over and over again to God. Now, if the sight and sounds of Paul and Silas naked, bleeding, chained, and yet singing praise to God weren't enough, if that's not enough, if an earthquake in the middle of the night felt by no one else other than those in that prison that was strong enough to bust open the doors, we can see that, but to loosen the chains? If if that doesn't get you, then the next should convince you of the life-changing power of God. Remember the guy assigned to Paul and Silas to keep watch 24 hours a day, the Roman guard, the unbeliever, apparently had fallen asleep. He'd fallen asleep, and verse 27 says that he woke up, he saw the prison doors open, he knew he was in trouble, so he picked up his sword, and he was ready to fall on it. He would rather take his own life than to deal with the consequences of him falling asleep on the job and letting all of these prisoners go. Paul and Silas, though, verse 27 says... Paul shouted out, don't harm yourself. We are all here. What's that mean? It means that Paul and Silas didn't forget the one who set them free. I'm not talking about the jailer. I'm talking about God. Why did God set them free? Why does God give some people a a reprieve from cancer and, and others not? Uh, Why does God give you an opportunity to start new and to start fresh? Why? Why did God do it this way? Why did he bring an earthquake to do it? Why did he send Jesus? Why did God shake the earth when Jesus died for our sin? Do you ever stay long enough to find out? (laughs) We don't. We don't. I can list them, the people that have been given a reprieve from cancer. I can list them, the people that, that whose marriages have been healed. They don't stay. 
They go right back out there and enjoy the freedom that they found instead of staying close to the one who set them free. But I want you to see what happens when you do. Paul and Silas, they stayed. And verse 32 says, they spoke the word of the Lord to the jailer. And he said to them, what do I have to do to have what you've got? What do I have to do to be set free from these chains in my life? He wasn't in physical chains, but he recognizes the chains that he has. What do I do to be saved? And in the middle of the night, by this time it's probably three in the morning, the jailer and his family were baptized. They were set free. See, God has the power to break every chain, to demolish every wall, set you free from all that would hold you captive. Nothing's impossible for him, but the choice, the choice to let him, to let him free you and then use you to free others. Well, it's all left in your hands. It rests in your next step and mine. So why is it so important to me that my girls know this reality in their life? Why should it be important to you? Why is it so important to God that we live set free? Listen, because when we're set free, when we're living free, it means one thing. It means that we know the ultimate chain breaker. It means that we have a personal relationship with him. It means when we set free that we have aligned ourselves with his precepts, with his commands for our life. From glory to glory we're going. From hard time to hard time we're going. Continuously being loosed of those things that want to hold us back, that want to chain us down. There's only one chain breaker And his name's Jesus Christ. And it's in him that we find hope. And it's in him that we find our next breath. It's in him that we find peace. It's in him that we find eternal life. It's in him that we find the strength to persevere through this race, through this marathon of life. No matter the chains that try to hold us back. So I want you to look at those chains that exist in your life right now. I I hope you wrote them down. Some of you don't want to write them down. It's bad enough that they are on the forefront of your mind. Are they physical chains? Are they emotional chains? Are they spiritual chains? I want you to know that Jesus, just as he made an appearance in that earthquake that night in that prison, just as his presence was with Paul and Silas when they were worshiping him in the midst of those physical chains, I want you to know Jesus, the chain breaker, is right here. He's right here, and he's ready to move heaven and earth to shake it all, to let you loose from these chains, the most important of which begins with being loosed from the chain of our nature, our sin nature, the sin choices that we make in our life every day. There's only one person that can save you from that, and it's Jesus Christ. Surrender your life to him. But once you have him, you have his power, and you have his presence in his life. 
And it is a power and a presence that's able to keep us free. Keep us free. Hour by hour. Day by day. Will you choose that today? I want my girls to. They have. Now I want them to live that way. Will you? Let's stand together. This is your opportunity to respond. And I'll, I'll tell you, I go home many, many weekends regretting, regretting, passionately making a plea to you. I, I get hung up as to whether I did a good job or not, whether you got a good rest while you were here. Some of you have been nodding off. It really matters to me. I want you to feel rested when you leave here. Obviously, you're very, very tired because I'm not boring. Okay, maybe a little bit. But I really want this for you. God really wants this for you. Will you please, will you please accept it? He's right here. Come, I'll help you.